Hello, this is Clint McGill, and you are listening to the Baseball Notes Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Garth Yorg. Garth spent over nine successful seasons in the big leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays, and over a decade as both coach and manager in the minor and major leagues with the Blue Jays and the Brewers. And I know you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Garth, and more importantly, you're going to learn something new, because I know I sure did. He and I spent the first several minutes talking about his background, which is always interesting, but once we hit the question and answer portion of the podcast, just a few minutes in, Garth just really brings the heat. In this episode, he dispels some very prevalent myths. How we're teaching our kids here in America improper hand position whenever a kid's fielding a ground ball, and why infielders should be more on their heels. And yes, I said on their heels. He also talks about his favorite infield drill, the best hitting approach he's ever encountered, the adjustment that skyrocketed his career, and even his opinion on youth players playing up versus being held back, and his perhaps surprising opinion on leg kicks for kids. And plenty, plenty more. You guys are really going to enjoy this. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Garth Eorg. You played for nine years with Toronto, correct? Right, yeah. Okay, and then so after your playing days were over, um, what, what kind of path did you take from there? Well, I when I was playing, I ha- I owned a still business in Northern California. What and, part? Uh, up in Arcata, Eureka, way up. Oh, uh, okay, you're way up there. Okay, I'm from Fresno yeah. originally. Okay, so, yeah, uh, that's where I'm from. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. All right. From that area. So. All right. So you had a steel business while you're playing. That's interesting. Yeah, I was. I sold structural steel to all the sawmills and everything in that area. Uh-huh. And then okay. sold it to a bigger person, like a few years after I'd done playing. Okay, okay. Um, and did you get into coaching after that, or when did you get? Yeah, into the yeah. It was really, profession? it was really weird. Like I had this, and it was, you know, we were. It was a suc- very successful business, and you know, I thought I'd be in it for the rest of my life. And next right. thing I know, I get an offer, and but anyway, I end up selling it, and uh-huh. uh, just you know. Had nothing to do, and then Toronto Blue Jays called me up and said, "Hey, would you want to manage?" And I said, "In the mind, yeah, you know." I said, "I'm not doing. It. Let me talk to my wife. Right. I don't want to do anything too because I, I didn't. I didn't know if I'd like it. I never ever saw myself going down that path. Right. You know, I've always thought a business and and kind of like did the you, things did I you have like. kids? Do you have any kids at that? Yeah, time? I have four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, you yeah, know, so the I, commitment, getting away from them, I'm sure there's a lot of questions. To, uh, yeah, so to, what I did is I we moved from Northern California. And I took the whole family with me everywhere I went. Uh, okay. The kids had a, and the kids had a ball. They loved it. Um, so Okay, so you went ahead and you accepted their offer, and uh, so you started, started managing in the minors. Is that correct? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, all right. And how long did you do that? I did that. Geez, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what year that was. It's 87, like 90, uh-huh. you know, and I, I did it in like in, started in 90, 91 in that, era, in that neighborhood. I'm not good mm-hmm. with those dates, but, um, um, and then did that and got worked my way back to the big leagues as a coach. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the big leagues, they made a change and the whole front office changed, everything changed and right. got fired. And I you know, I, I just decided to. I'm, I'm done with professional baseball, and okay. then, and then I had opened up a, a hitting facility in Knoxville, mm-hmm. and did that, and then got really sick of that real quick. Right. 
got rid of it, sold it, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. The day I sold it, the Milwaukee Brewers asked me if I'd come and be their farm director. I mean, not their farm director, their roving infield guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, it was really weird because it was all my kids were gone. Uh-huh. I just watched all of them play, you know, college and, you know, a little right. bit of professional ball and just me and my wife and it was a good time. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'm not doing anything right now. So I did it and then worked my way back to the big leagues again with them. And then in 2014, I literally had enough and I just, I'm done. You said that's it. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically from 1990 to... 2014, yeah, take a year or two, pretty much a, a, a constant, uh, a, a constant, yeah, like five involvement. Years. I was out, of, I was out of pro ball for like five years. Uh, okay, okay, I gotcha. I was coaching uh, my kids' summer league teams and stuff, having a ball. Yeah, no, we're we're starting now. I got a seven year old, so we're starting all that business. It's a it's a good good time. So yeah. Uh, anyhow, but uh, okay, so you've been you've been around the block to say the least. One of the questions I have for you is. Um, you know, when you're looking at ball players today, what's something that you see commonly taught that you don't necessarily agree with? Um, well, I see the way they teach the infielders how to catch a ground ball. Okay. And they use that alligator method, and I think it's horrible. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Like with the top yeah. of the, the, the hand, 12 and 12 and 6, so they say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody does that except Latins. Right, 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 right. So you, you know, and I'm more of a proponent of the one hand. Is that correct? I like one-handed or, or hands. You know, like kind of like I don't know, just kind of like your. If I threw you an egg and how you would catch an egg, you would you know you wouldn't catch it in the back of your palm. You'd catch it more in the you know get with it a little bit, a little softer. Your hands would be together. You know, little finger against little finger. Okay. You know, but you know, not that close. But you know, something like that. You know, in that okay. neighborhood. Uh huh. Yeah, something where, where your glove's not so stiff and stuff, and you know. So that's what I that's what I teach. I would never teach the alligator method. I I think it's horrendous. Why so? Does that you think that like tightens? Them I up? think they get yeah. I think it's stiff. Uh huh. You know, I've never seen a great infielder. You know, like when I, I I'm talking about a great defender. You know, right. do that ever. Mm-hmm. The best defender I ever played with was Tony Fernandez, and he was, you know, he was a joke how good he was. Right. You know, with range and being able to use, you know, one hand and being able to, you know, turn a bat hop into a good hop. And I just mm-hmm. think it hurts your footwork. I think it hurts everything. Okay. You know, guys get really, really jammed up. Okay. Um, well, on that note, as a, um, you know, as an infield instructor, what was your favorite drill to run through with these guys? Literally, I would I would roll them balls, or I would put them on their knees and you know hit one hoppers at them, uh-huh. and then they they learn how to use their glove, you uh-huh. know. But I, I also like you know like standing up and throwing one hoppers and letting their feet work, you know. Okay. If you look at if you look at a good infielder, the best thing you see is is his feet work, right? And then the glove works, you know. They're able to get their body in a position where they really don't get a bad hop. Right. You know, if you look at, I don't know, some of the great defenders, the gold glove winners are, I don't know, maybe not gold glove winners because sometimes that wasn't a true. Right. You know, but I don't know. You just look at some, like Omar Vizquel and what those guys did, you know, that 
kid for um, Cleveland today. Oh my gosh, the guy's unbelievable. Uh, you know? Lindor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, I watch him. I watched the game the other night. He made some plays. The, the kid out in San Francisco. My mm-hmm. gosh, he's awesome. You know, right. uh, I had um, yeah. uh, Seattle shortstop. I don't know why I can't remember these guys' names. Gene Segura. You know, Segura Segura was amazing how good he was when he came to us, you know? Right. And, he, you know, we'd go on defense and we'd we'd work on spring training and we'd come up and I'd say, he said, what what do you want me to do? I said, no, no, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to do what you're doing, you know? Right, right, yeah. (laughs) You know, but those guys haven't been, you know, haven't been – and even Troy Tula Whiskey, look at Tula Whiskey's one handed all the way. Catches right. the ball on the run, throws on the run, does every not no any person would teach that. And yet, you know, he's a solid defender, you know. I mean it's just like Right. Right. So, so I think it's kinda overcoached almost as opposed to make way it mechanical over-coached. as opposed as opposed to just a natural attack of the ball. Yeah, get your feet in a good position to you know, to be ready. You're, uh, you know, I hate when your feet are on the when you got your weight on the balls of your feet because you only move forward. You see those guys and they they land with their feet down. They may start with their you know heels off the ground, but when they do their little hop and crow hop, those really good defenders, they their their whole foot's on the ground uh-huh. because they're thinking left and right and kind of right. take care of itself. And so once you get your feet on the ball, I mean your yeah the you're on the balls of your feet, your first step is always going to be forward. Uh-huh. Think about stealing a base. If you're playing and you're stealing a base, you know, and you put your weight on the, out the front, your first step would be kind of like towards third base, mm-hmm. no matter no matter what you tried to do. You know, it's kind of the same principle. You want to be able to move. And that's what those Latinos, I hate saying it, but, you know, I think that's why you see so many of them in the, in the middle infield. Right. Yeah, they play a beautiful shortstop. I don't know if it's some yeah, sort of a body they, composition or what, but, I mean, if you're just looking at style and just, like, grace, I mean, man, those guys have got it figured out. You know what I mean? So Yeah, and you never see them doing what is taught at the high school. Call. I, I really don't know where even that came from. I think somebody made a video, right. and it caught on, and I don't think anybody really knew, and they just kind of taught that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the goal of what I'm trying to do here is that, you know, everybody sort of just sort of regurgitates what they were taught. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to to field a ground ball or hit a baseball. And uh, just people aren't really encountering that information. They're just kind of hearing whatever their their coach is just responding to whatever he did as a player. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, or what they uh, hear and, you know, read. And, you know, you would never teach somebody to play shortstop like Lindor. Right. You know? Right, you know, that's but the guy that's uh, going to be the consistency, yeah. Yeah, so I, I really, you know, I mean, sure, there's some body stuff that those, you know, Latins have maybe. I don't know, but I see white kids that can move and run and are tremendous athletes, but for some reason, you know, they get pushed to third or, you know, the outfield or something, you know. Right, yeah. And yet, you know, although the kid at Atlanta, Dad, uh, Swanson, Dabney Swanson. Yeah. You know, I've watched him play a few times and, you know, he looks good. Yeah, I mean, he's not that, he's not that, you know, that, you know, I call it the alligator. But, you know, if you put your hands out and you get your hands like that, you can just see how stiff you would get. You know, you can right. feel it. 
You know, right. if you took your if you took and you just went and took ground balls. I mean, you were an outfielder. You know, catch a fly ball like that. Yeah, no, I was, middle, I, was middle, I was a middle infielder. Oh, okay, but yeah, so you could feel that. I mean, you can feel that, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd learned, I want to say I was taught, like, because uh, I went to junior college, and then I went to, uh, to two Division ones in minor leagues, and, and so I think I was taught, might have been like my senior year in college or something like that, with like that ball on the left, you know what I mean, when you're moving, say you're at shortstop and you're moving up the middle. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, I had somebody tell me, um, you know, get your right hand out of there. You know what I mean? And like I, I had gone pretty much my entire career where I had had coaches really trying to, you know, use two hands. You know, like obviously if you're reaching for a ball, you can only use one. But if it was right. kind of to your, you know, to your, you know, left foot side or something like that, um, it's so uncomfortable to throw that right arm in there. And yet, yeah, I was exactly. That my my entire you know career, up, I mean, pretty high level up until you know later on. So. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, it definitely, it definitely can hinder you. Feet. You know, yeah. anything outside of your feet, we'd go one hand, and anything to the left of center, I mean, to the right of center, we would be a backhand. You know, so anything oh, okay. from my crotch to my foot, that's a that's if I can't get in front of it, I'm backhanding. It's hard to take my glove over though. I'm going to push it out into left field or something. Right, know? right. You know, so it was always like. And, you know, I did that. I taught that simply because I saw the best builders when I played do that. Ozzy Smith was like that. Gary Temple, I don't even remember these guys. But these guys were amazing, and they were like that. Right. You know, Cal Ripken, even though he couldn't move, when he, when he ne- you know, he was always like basically a one-handed guy, unless it was just right at him. You know, uh-huh. he did it how I would teach. I mean, not good range at all, you know, but... Mm-hmm positioned himself well and you know played a good shortstop okay all right well very good well let me uh change gears here i want to talk a little bit about hitting um so okay. what um did you have any sort of approach or habit at the plate that worked well for you that you might not necessarily teach somebody yeah everything i did was awkward you know i just <laughs> I saw i saw the photograph of your stance i haven't seen any videos but it was a. Uh, is unique. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about it. What, what was your thinking behind all there? Well, I was, I mean, I'm, I wasn't a big guy. I'm not a big guy, and so I right. was trying to like, how can I get the most into it? And then I just started watching other major leaguers, you know, and mm-hmm. I was actually in the minor leagues, and I watched Rod Carew and uh, George Brett, and I saw kind of what they were doing. And there was there was a guy named Cecil Cooper who was just phenomenal, you know. And I said, man, these guys, they all do one thing. They can all rake. Right. You know, why am I hitting like I'm hitting? So I uh-huh. flipped, they were all left-handed hitters. So I just kind of flipped it around because I'm a right-handed hitter and just kind of started hitting like that. And I did it in the minor leagues. And I'm, I'm telling you, my career was going nowhere. And right. I, you know, we didn't have coaches when I, when I played. We didn't have coaches like they have today. You know, my first time in the big league, we didn't even have a hitting coach. Right. We had a guy who came in every now and then, a guy named Bobby Dore, played with Ted Williams. You know, oh, wow. Okay. You know, and he was awesome, but he was, you know, he would just come to every now and like, you know, maybe once every two months, you know, come to Toronto and work with us a little bit, you know. So like the Rovers, Rovers today, yeah. Yeah, in the big leagues. Right. Know, now they got two and sometimes three hitting coaches, you know, in the big leagues. Right, right. You know, but so, I mean, I, we had we had literally none. And Cito Gaston became our hitting coach later, but. You know, I mean, he was just basically, I don't know, just kind of made out hitting assignments, you know, where, what group you're hitting at. But, right. Uh, 
you know. So, so you so you lean back on. So I mean, you change your stance. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're back on that back leg a little bit more, right? Is that? Yeah, um, I just put I put a hundred percent of my weight back there, uh-huh. and I sat there and I just I was looking for just to get the head, you know, cover the plate and just hit it, just put it in play, and that's as simple as I did that. Kind of like, you know, probably a quarter of the way into AAA. Okay. And um, I it my I just took off. Mm-hmm. You know, everything all of a sudden everything worked. Right, everything just lined up. So you're a high yeah. contact guy. Would you, that would be yeah. how you define yourself? Yeah, I mean, I hit the ball the other way really well. You know, pole breaking balls. Mm-hmm. I just you know, but I just uh, you know, I just adopted that, and I it was good until my very last year when I hurt my neck, and I was just. You know, my last year I sucked because I, you know, I couldn't I couldn't see. You know, yeah. I couldn't get my head around. I just kept playing, and it cost me probably a couple more years in my career. You know, because but right, yeah. That's, no, that's, everybody's that's last baseball. year, yeah, everybody's last year is not what they wanted for one reason or another. You know what I mean? So yeah, well, uh, I was just hurt and kept playing, and we were winning and had a chance to win our division. And I shouldn't have played, but I, you know, you just try to do what's best for the team sometimes. Right, Whatever. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, well, yeah, well, let me tell you, let me get your opinion on something. I'll, I'm going to explain kind of my approach at the plate, and I want to hear um, what you think and what yours was. So whenever I was a hitter, I was a right-handed hitter and, uh, you know, hit three or four home runs over the course of a season, you know, nothing nothing crazy. And uh, anyway, I would set my awareness sort of on that outside part of the plate right? for that outside fastball. And then if anything, you know, anything comes in, whether it's an inside fastball or a breaking ball, I can sort of adjust inward, right? Right. And, and so, so that worked pretty well for me my entire life. Um, once I got up into professional baseball and, you know, the fastball is a little faster, the, sharp, yeah. the breaking ball is a little, a little sharper, um, I started to wonder if, you know, I was sort of, you know, here I thought I was being well prepared for everything, but in hindsight, I'm wondering if I was, uh, moderately prepared for everything and well prepared for nothing, if that makes sense. So no, that makes uh, perfect sense. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's I a good get, way. Yeah, that's, that's I'm looking for way. the fastball, and I don't. I'm kind of just in between. You know, I'm not really there, and so I'm kind of curious as to you know, you've seen a lot of minor leaguers kind of come through. Um, you know what? Uh, you know what you think that would does that work at the professional level, or, or how no. how did you approach it at the plate? Well, I, I look for fastball. I didn't look for location so much. I looked for a ball right down the middle of the plate. You know, okay. I always I was always shocked how many times I got it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, big league hit pitchers. You know, I find you know they walk and you know they make mistakes, and you're going to hit mistakes. You're not going to hit what they, you know, occasionally. You know, when you're really feeling good, and they throw a sinker down and in, you know, you golf it out of there. Right. You know, but I mean, it's um. But for the most part, you know, if you if you turn on Sports Center and you look at the home runs, man, they're you know like right there for these guys, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sense. but uh, you know, I just I look for a fastball down the middle of the plate. The good thing about playing in the big leagues is that you know what they're going to throw you. You kind of right. I mean, you face the same guys. It's like you know, we go to the Yankees, we get the same guys. We go to Boston, get the same guys. You know. You know, mm-hmm. no matter where you went, you, you you know you get the same four or five starters, right? Know? And so you you know you just kind of I don't know you just kind of t- kept a book, 
You know, some guys tech a, kept a real book. Some guys right. just kind of like mentally, you know, knew what was going to happen. And that's kind of where I was. I just kind of knew how they pitched me. And so I'd go up there with, you know, kind of a plan to see what, you know, what this guy does. I'm not going to look for a fastball down the middle if the guy's throwing, you know, two seamers and sliders. Right. You know, and then I then I change my approach. Then I just go by count. You know, right. I have a, a good idea. Like, if he's getting me two strikes, you know, he's going to try and get the slider off the plate, you know, to swing and miss or hit a soft ground ball. You know, right. in the county, he might go sinkers in. So, you know, that's, you know, that's how I look. But the very best I've ever heard, the very best approach I ever heard was by Todd Helton. Okay. And, and Todd Helton said that he tries to hit the ball out of the center field ballpark, dead center. He's going to try and hit his ball as far hard as he can, dead center. And I, I, you know, I listen to that first. And I go, what? What the heck is that? Right. But the more I thought about it, you know. And then he went on to explain. He says, I know that if I get a pitch away because I'm not pulling off it because I'm staying on the ball, that I can hit it to left field. If I get a pitch in because I'm aggressive, I'm going to be able to get to it and put the big part of the bat on. If I get it down the middle, he says, I'm probably going to hit it out of dead center. Right. You know? And I just kind of like that because, you know, you you stayed aggressive. You know, you were looking at the pitch. You weren't pulling off. You look at most pitchers, strikeouts, especially off-speed stuff, all the guys are pulling off of them. You don't see a guy stay on a breaking ball and miss it. They always pull off of it. You know, so I thought that was uh, a really, really good. And then I heard later that Lance Bertman actually got that from Todd and started using it as well. It had, you know, I mean, my gosh, a guy could flat rake. Right. You know, and you I know, thought it was just, I thought it was great, you know, because I think it simplified it. It kept him ready, kept him on time, you know, kept him. I think the biggest thing is guys start looking and they get unaggressive, you know, and right. I think that's uh and I, if I were to ask George Brett that same question, because I thought he was the greatest hitter in my era. You know, there were guys like Carew and Wade Boggs at times would hit higher, but they didn't do a lot of damage. George did damage. Right. You know, so I sit there and I, you know, I look at George and I go, man, this guy, you throw him away and he mashes it away. You throw him a soft breaking ball and he lines something up the middle. Throw him inside and he hits it in the water fountains out in Kansas City, you know, right field. Right. You know, the guy was amazing how much he, and I think whether he knew it or not, I'm sure he did, but he kind of had the same approach. Uh-huh. You know, very aggressive, looking for a fastball down the middle, you know, trying to stay on it, not pulling off of it, and he got off speed pitch, your mind registered, you hit it so much that, you know, you see it differently and you see the spin and, you know, you're on it. Right. So I, I love that style of hitting. Yeah, you know, I've actually heard that once before. Um, I don't know if you've read. You may have encountered these guys with the Blue Jays. Um, the uh, it was Delgado, and then but the guy that wrote the book was uh, Sean Green. There it is. I've I, I I, I his name for a second. Sean Green. I'm in Did that you? book. Are you in that book? I read I've read that book a dozen times. I love it. So uh, yeah, uh, I'll have to look at it again. It was it Gaston that he had trouble with. I think. He yeah, was, uh, I was part of the problem. Oh, were you really? <laughs> okay. Well, not well, for Sean said, for Cito. Oh, okay. Oh, were you the one that was throwing him BP? And then yes. they said nope. <laughs> oh, funny. I didn't even I didn't even connect those dots. So uh Yeah, but uh, I had Sean and Carlos all through the minor leagues and Alex 
Alex Gonzalez. Those were my three uh, players. That was my one, two, three in the lineup. That's you hilarious. Know? And those guys were amazing. In fact, I had Sean and Carlos. They played, try to hit the ball out of left field during uh-huh. batting practice all the time. And I get to the big leagues, and they're still doing it. Right, yeah. Well, because he, he said that he the, they had a game where they were gap to gap. Like, if you pulled a yeah. home run, it, it didn't count. But if Yeah, there's no, center, there's no money in it. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, that so started how, in the, like in Double A with us. Yeah, I thought that book was tremendous. Him talking about you know looking at pitchers and you know uh, um, you know sounds like he was a master pitch tipper and all that sort of thing. You know, said he knew about half of the pitches that were coming. Um, he yeah, had a good idea. You know what I mean? So yeah, that pitch tipping it, it can get you in trouble, especially when guys start realizing it and they go, "I think this guy's reading," and then all of a sudden they use it to their advantage. But I don't know, you know. Some guys are really good at it. Some guys are think they're really good at it, not real good at it, but whatever. Right, right. You can drive yourself crazy trying to pick something up with his foot, and, uh, and then and then you're, you're you're sitting on a curveball and take a fastball strike three. So that's happening. Yeah, exactly. Before. But what was what was your biggest challenge as a as a hitter yourself? I think uh, strength. When I was right, it seemed like I could hit. When I wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that a lot of that was just like um, today's players, they have so many more opportunities. You know, we never had a strength and conditioning program in the off season. You know, it was kind of like you did it on your own and, you know, there's never any weights in our clubhouse, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think that's a huge advantage today. I think guys, uh, you know, so I was, you know, I played at 170, you know. Right. And it was just, and it was like, you know, I got gas. I wore out. I never took drugs. Never took a greenie in my life, like a lot right. of other guys. You know, I think it just, I just, you know, you just get wore out. You know, yeah. So I, no, I, I understand. So that. I think a I lot of it was that. just strength. And then when I, you know, when I hurt my neck my last year, I was, I was terrible. I was absolutely terrible. So I think uh, I like the way I hit. You know, if I had it to do over again, and you know. I would have changed it and went to that leg lift, you know. Oh, really? I think that, oh, yeah. No question in my mind I'd use the leg lift right now. You know, because it kind of accomplishes the same thing without leaning so far back. You're getting 100%. Once you pick up your weight, all your all your leg, all your weight's on your back foot. And I see those right. guys just doing that, and they're just, you know, they're if you can stay on it, keep that leg, and get your timing, I mean, my goodness. Those guys who do that, I mean, these little guys, all two base hitting bombs. You know, <laughs> right? And he, I'm little, and he he's miniature. Right? Yeah, but he's you getting know? that force generated, right? Yeah, you know, and I think that when you get on a a weight program, you're doing all that stuff. I think that uh, you know, a lot of great things can happen for people. Uh, but I I okay. love the leg lift. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I've I've. Uh... You know, I, when I'm teaching my son how to hit, and I've avoided it with him just in order to, because I feel like his timing's getting all messed up. You know what I mean? It might not yeah. be the best thing to show a seven-year-old, but you know, when you look at the big leagues, you look at the guys who are who are killing it. Uh, you know, a little leg lift is, is look at what he's what you know? he's done. Yeah, I mean, he was with Pittsburgh, you know, hitting his nine, ten home runs. He comes to Toronto and he hits forty, fifty. I go, right. are you kidding me? You know, and he's got that leg up there just sitting there. You know, I, I I would teach everybody. I'd teach him young right now how to do that. If you want him to be a good hitter, you uh-huh. know, I'd let, I'd learn him how to. I'd teach him how to get that and just work on that balance and getting up there and holding it. And 
I don't. I hate when people say, "Get your foot down." You can't swing the bat without your foot down. You right. Know? But I just, uh, I just think, man, those guys that do that and get the timing, I think they dominate. All right. Well, last question for you here, and uh, so, so I want you to put your your coach's hat back on. And so you've obviously seen, you know, a lot of young players come up into the big leagues. And, you know, talent, you know, we all know that, you know, the talented guy, you know, a single-A team, double-A team, the talent level not all that much different, right? It's just a more advanced player. Um, when you see guys that come up to the big leagues and were able to stick, um, what were they doing differently than the guy that, you know, had the first-round talent but just couldn't put it together? I think it's confidence. You know, okay. I think I think some guys come into the big leagues and they look like you know, like I don't I like when I saw Evan Longoria, the guy looked like the guy was handling himself like he'd been in the big leagues for ten years. Right. You know, he was he the first time I went to the big leagues I was scared to death and you know, I lasted a month and got sent down. Right. You know, you know I think the but those guys that come up and they're a little smarter and they're a little more aware of their surroundings and they're they're not intimidated. I think those guys are the guys that stick, you know, right. and, and do great things. I think it's talent. My gosh, there's so much talent that doesn't make it to the big leagues. It's it's crazy, right? You know the, you know, I've seen guys that were far more talented than I was, not make it. You know, right? You know, how did that happen? How this guy? How's this guy not playing in the big leagues? Mm-hmm. You know. And, you know, one thing or another, you know, they weren't able to adapt or they got hurt or something's happened, you know, and it's just like, but I just think that those guys that come up and they, they're confident in their ability, you know, I think it's, um, that's the big thing. You look at Dustin Pedroia when he first came up, you know, his first month, he was a terrible player. Yeah, no, I remember that. I remember watching that pretty closely, so... You know, and then he all of a sudden you watch this guy, and all of a sudden I look at him and I go, "Oh my gosh, this guy's unbelievable!" You right. know, the first time I saw him, I said, "What? This guy stinks." Next thing I see him, <laughs> next time we come around and playing again, I go, "Oh my gosh, this guy's this guy's the man!" Right? You know, he's a little tiny guy that's strong and fit, and you know, but my gosh, he handled himself out. You know, they stuck with him, which was a tremendous move on Boston's part. But I mean, there's there's a ton of guys like that. And there's a ton of guys that go down, get sent down, and come back up, and they're different. They're different. Yeah, you wonder I, if there's I, any way to, to to teach that there. You know, like there's just you know how to how to. Well, I think today's player, you know, every kid, every parent holds their kid back, so he's the best on the team. I think right. it hurts them. I think uh-huh. it's good to be the the youngest guy on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I I really do. I love it when you know the younger players on the team. You know, I saw that in the minor leagues. Heck, I had I had terrible teams in the minor leagues, but I had a ton of guys make it to the big leagues. Oh wow! Because we were all we were always the youngest guy on the team. You know, uh-huh. we were always the youngest team in the league, and that's how I wanted. I didn't want older veteran guys on my team. I wanted guys who were going to play in the big leagues. Heck, I had Carlos, Sean Green, and Alex Gonzalez, and they were like twenty, twenty-one in Double A. You know, our oh, wow. team was older than our Double A team. And we right. went in there and we, we played okay, played about 500, but, you know, we produced a lot of big leaders off that team. I don't know. Yeah. I just think that's that's what you have to do. And I think if, you know, if one thing you need to do your kid, let him play up. Right. Let him find out. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, I've, um, I've, I've heard of that, like, in, 
gosh, what else was I reading? Where where people almost need to give themselves permission to succeed. And I yeah. wonder if it's like that with baseball. You get up there and you just kind of have this natural assumption that, oh, God, I'm facing, you know, Clayton Kershaw. How am I, you know, I'm just going to make a, I hope I don't strike out. That'll be the best. You know what I mean? You just have this uh, expectation to not do well. And yeah. maybe a guy like Evan Longoria doesn't have that expectation. He's like, this is where I belong. Let's get let's get to hit. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. you don't don't no, have I that agree. built up. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm I've never been a guy who dogged my players. Mm-hmm. I never was a guy who said how you mean you guys suck. You're awful. I have coaches like that tell me you suck. You guys are awful. You know, I would <laughs> I never told my team that. Right. You know, we all I was always like super positive with everybody. You can go back and ask my players. You know, right. and I'm still friends with a bunch of them on Facebook, and you know, I got I got good feelings towards them all. I was over the top, uh-huh. complimentary. I'd always find something good. We would work about what we're doing, what we're doing. I said, "Yeah, but you're seeing the ball good. You just, you know, or hey, this is move your feet this way, set up this way. You know, everything else is good. I'd always accentuate the positive stuff. You know, yeah. if you're teaching your son, don't dog him." Don't get on him. Make it fun for him. Keep it fun. Play fun games. Yeah, that's good. I mean, like you know, even in minor leagues with, uh, you know, I had some tremendous coaches that I played for. I played with uh, uh, our manager was Tim Bogar. He's a uh, bench coach with the Mariners now. And anyway, yeah. some really, just really good, really good positive guys. But, it, you know, you can, um, you know, run into some coaches where everybody has good intentions, like, you have a problem that they're trying to address, but you kind of forget the 95% of that player that's tremendous. And so when, when you, all you hear is like, oh, yeah, you just can't hit that curve, can't hit it, can't hit it. It's like, you know, let's yeah. address that, but also not forget that you smash fastballs or you're tremendous right. at X, Y, Z. You know, because like you said, confidence uh, can, can be the difference between a big leaguer and a flameout. So, that's right. Um, um, there's probably plenty of big leaguers that have flaws that uh, – they're having tons of them just just because they um you know aren't aren't uh, weighed down by it so that's exactly right that's Garth the Org ladies and gentlemen i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did and one of the things i really appreciated about garth was the fact that his coaching and playing career wasn't based on theory if you listen closely you saw that much of his success in his career was simply copying the best players in the game He saw George Brett and Rod Carew having great success by putting a lot of their weight on their back leg. So he did the same thing, and guess what? He had success too. And in the infield, he saw the Ozzie Smiths and Gary Templetons being almost exclusively one-handed. So he did the same thing and taught his players as well and just had great success with that also. Because that seems to be the key. Find those who are having success and do what they do. At least try it. It doesn't matter if it makes sense in the brain or not, but don't be afraid to try something new. So that's all for today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a positive review. That really, really helps me out, and I'd really appreciate that. And for more information and content, you can go to the Baseball Notes page on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter, or at our website at baseballnotes.co. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good luck, and God bless.